0: Cradleline network. Borag dog, earthlets! I'm my friend Eli, and this is the fifth episode of the Judge Dread magazine primer, a podcast where two Americans try to establish a foundation of knowledge to come to grips with the Judge Dread magazine. This episode, we're talking about one of Judge Dredd's greatest enemies, Marlon Shakespeare, aka Chopper. Though with Chopper, it's more like Dredd is one of his greatest villains. <laughs> And to that end, we're looking at a couple stories throughout um, Chopper's career. You can find the comics we're covering today, and Judge read the complete case files four, nine, and eleven, and Choppers, and uh, the uh, standalone Chopper Ch- Chopper collection. Chopper surfs up. So, how'd you fi- how you find Chopper? You like? What are your initial thoughts here?
1: Uh, I really liked him. Um, it was really interesting seeing the. I assume, the first time introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is there any other chopper aside
0: from what we're going to be covering today? Um, there's one story in be- that's in between the Oz story and the, uh, Soul on- and the Soul on Fire story.
1: Got it. Yeah, but um, did, getting so much of this one character, seeing how they change, evolve, and grow, I found really interesting. Um, just how they were introduced, I already immediately related to, just based on me being an artist. Sure. And... and them and their uh i can see why they're liked uh their uh personification of freedom at you know any cost Mm -hmm. i think it's relatable um and then i also why it's an immediate affront to the judges (laughs)
0: yeah for sure (laughs) but it seems like uh, fate smiled upon him he's had some ups and downs for sure i think you know yeah.
1: yeah but uh uh I found myself rooting for him a lot of the time.
0: Oh, nice! I think, yeah, I think that's what we're looking for with Shopper—that you're sort of, you know, that you want him to succeed at, um, uh, and um, against the judges. I think that's the yeah. big move, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even
1: the judges were rooting for him at a certain point.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Listen, Dread will come in and cheer him on if there's nothing else involved with his with his situation, you know. <laughs> right. So we're going to have a chopper story right at the start of the magazine. So I want you you to have some backstory here. Uh, like you said, he's a he. I think he's a really great example of just a regular citizen of Mega City One, and he's got a very citizen time kind of story, especially his early ones, ones where Dread plays a very minimal role in his adventures. You know, like. Yeah. Like, when it's a Chopper story, Chopper's the star, and dread exists more as just one one face in the crowd of Mega City One judges out to get him, basically. Right. <laughs> and I think that's an interesting change. It's one that I think is important as the comic matures, and Dred's world becomes more complicated, I guess. Um right. As time goes by, Chopper becomes more of a character in his own right, especially after the Oz story where we learn a lot about both his personal ambition to be the best and how he both loses and regains that from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be – just so everyone knows, we're going to be looking at uh, at the first two Chopper stories like completely and then pieces of later ones um this is mostly because both oz and song of the surfer are really long (laughs) like they're long enough to be full episodes of this primer series i've been putting together um Mm. but i've tried to put some representative parts of his stories in there as well also i think like when this one comes out we'll have just we'll pretty much just finished the final story uh uh song of the surfer so i don't want to go over things too much for our for for our 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 regular (laughs) listeners i guess that makes sense. Yeah. There were times I was like, I think I'm missing something here. Yeah. But. there. I mean, especially with, 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 with a song of the surfer, I kind of jumped from the first one to the last one, almost just because there's sort of big notes in there, but I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to drag you down too much. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I like a lot of the artists that were seen in this one. There's some we've seen before, like Ron Smith or Kim Kennedy. Um, mm-hmm. other folks like Colin McNeil, who are newer to 2000 AD, um, as, as we're reading them, but with with really cool art styles. Um, as always, what we're talking about tonight was written by John Wagner or Wagner and uh, his his co-writer, Alan Grant. So let's get to it. Our first story, Un-American Graffiti. Uh, script robot, John Wagner, art robot, Brett Ewens, and Ian, G- Ian Gibson as Emberton uh no, this isn't right. Um, script robot Br- Br- uh, Brett Ewins and um, Ron Smith, and learning about Tom Frame. So, no credit card in, in Prague 206, which opens with Dread standing in front of this huge graffitied wall with both, both chopper and phantom tags sort of foreshadowing here. Mm-hmm. Um, we see graffiti as a growing problem among Jews in the city. We see Dredd arresting a bunch of these no good wall scrawlers. Makes a, we, we see them like doing stunts to get their name, to, to tag all the cool places, like making a pyramid and stuff like that, even though it's often it's a place that Chopper's already been and written his name. Right. Yeah. I was
1: confused. Do they come up with just cool nicknames for all, like, uh, crimes?
0: Wall scrawlers? I was like, huh, you just... Did you improv that, Judge, or was that just... I think it is that they have cool names for everything, or they kind of try to, they try to make up like a futury or alternate kind of nickname for various crimes. Nice. Like, I, th- I think mugging is called tapping, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a perennial mugger might be called a tap dancer, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> um, robberies are often like uh like armed robberies with violence or arvs or something like that i see that's funny but yeah yeah i always i luckily i catch on but i'm always like there's always that moment of what what they do oh okay yeah i mean there is sort of it's a constant thought i think to kind of like all right, like we've got we're in the future. Let's make these let's just not have them talk like a 20 a 20th century cop or whatever. Let's right. try to sci-fi this up a little bit. Same thing with like their future swears, like like grud or drock or stom or something like that, you right. know. <laughs> like if they cuss like normal it's just not as sci-fi, I guess. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. They're, yeah. they're on the right track. Yeah. So we see Dredd routing up all these kids scrawlers. He even gets Satchmo. Oh, no. Um, Sends him all the cubes for six months of pop. Meanwhile, at school, young Marlon Shakespeare is not paying attention at his unemployment class. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) I mean, this is... Yeah, it's very like, this is very building off of stuff we read. We, we, we saw in our first Primer episode of just all the jobs are done by robots. So if right. you're in school, you're being taught how to sort of like be, be unemployed productively or something like right. that. And I, I do give them credit for teaching the youth because, you know,
1: uh, so you'd see that the people are trying to keep people educated and like, hey, we want to try to help but there's just nothing we can do. You're going to end up unemployed.
0: They're uh, doing okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because we see like his like family and how his dad has spent 18 years trying to head an egg into a bucket. And so he's just covered in egg yolks. And then his mom is just, perf- it just washes up for a living. So we see her like doing the dishes and then rubbing the- and then dunking all the dishes into this big pot of dirt and then re-washing them over and over again. And it's yeah. like, whoa, like, this seems that
1: rough. Box, box, I'm glad they labeled it dirt, just so no one gets confused. was cute. No,
0: yeah. But the thing is, is that uh, uh, Marlon Shakespeare wants to be more than just a nobody. He wants to be somebody, to do something with his life, and that's why he's Chopper, King of the Scrawlers. <laughs> to prove this, he writes his name as large as possible on the Huck-Whitney block. And um, it's a huge thing. It's a Chris's crowning achievement. But then someone has written Chopper is a Ninco above his name. Oh no! It's a Scrawler War. I didn't know what a Ninco was. I think it's short for Nincompoop. Okay,
1: got it. Yeah. In the future, you got to abbreviate. I get it.
0: Yeah. You can't say these whole words, you know. You you couldn't just say, you had to use Nincompoop, but short that's right yeah listen you gotta you gotta go a long way for a short way that's the key you know (laughs) so next we see choppers tag the white hill the white cliffs of dormer on of dover on tour on mega city white now now not guaranteed white um things get out of hand as the phantom diverts traffic and tags the mega way And as things are heating up, the Phantom calls out Chopper, Statue of Judgment, Saturday. And I don't know if we've talked about this thing a lot, but it will come up that they, uh, you know, next to the stat, like they've moved the Statue of Liberty inland, and next to it, standing maybe twice as high, is the Statue of Judgment over the Statue of Liberty. And it's just a big judge, like sort of looming over Lady Liberty, basically. That's tough. It's
1: tough. Priorities.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yep that's that's it's a, fun it's a big uh you know it's a statement you know it's not subtle so i'm trying to say <laughs> mm-hmm. so shakespeare prepares for the job as dread heads up a massive security detail they got spotlights and observers everywhere chopper uses a reflective coat and heat activated pe- uh, paint and monofilament wire to do the job as he's scrolling, though he hears suction cups it's the phantom but the phantom is a robot and either way, the judges have spotted them. The Phantom explains that it's a city painting droid doing a drudge job for its entire life until it dies when remembered. It's not that different, frankly, from being a human in Mega City 1 when you think about it.
1: Right. Yes. Definitely relatable.
0: Yeah. So rather than being taken in and reprogrammed, the Phantom goes out scrawling and falls to its death. Marlon Shakespeare, a.k.a. Chopper, though, is taken into custody. He gets five years in the cubes. But as he's taken away, the sun rises on the city and its heat-activated paint activates and a chopper smiley face appears on the badge of the Statue of Judgment. Chopper is King Scrawler! (laughs) And what I think is really cool, actually, is that, so this story is in um, Progs 206 and 207, so 1981, right? April 1981. Mm -hmm. And then we go to our next story, The Midnight Surfer. And that one came out in Prague. started starts in Prague's 424, which is summer of 1985. Which means that in real time, Chopper is, has served his five years since and gotten some time off for good behavior, basically.
1: Right. Yeah, that's
0: that's a lot of fun. I really like that. Just as a, uh, I don't know, as something that this long tail that that uh, Judge Dredd has, that just that, that it runs a long time. They do things in real time, allows them to do, I guess. And I'm,
1: that's a lot of confidence to, you know, I guess they've been going for a while because uh, Jet Tridge is still curr- currently being created, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's a lot of years that they've been they've been at it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I think it's very – like like I don't know if they were really – I don't know how much Wagner was just thinking like, all right, in, in four years, I'm going to bring this story back as mm-hmm. much as it's sort of like, oh, yeah, four years later, maybe like like at the moment he thought of it as opposed to just waiting for it to happen, I suppose. Right. I can see that. Because there are, there are like long-term prophecies and stuff that are built in to the Judge Dread world. Mm. But I don't even know if they're like, something like all right, like right, let's just say this will happen. And when we get to it, we'll deal with it. But right. <laughs> I have to imagine that's how they do it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's no guarantee we'll be making the comic in a few years. So why worry about these long-term things that much, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm trying to figure out. It's not, it hasn't been a hundred years yet, right? Like. I'd be amazed if they made a prophecy in a hundred years this thing will happen, and then they have the hundred year anniversary, and
0: they're like, "Oh yeah, that's we got to no blow. nothing nothing so big." I mean, the comics forty years old now, but they years. but they did have one that was um like in eighteen years, which was in mm-hmm. sort of like in like nineteen eighty or something like that, and they definitely and while they also followed up on it along as time went by in the comics. Like, I think Mm -hmm. they, like, at one point, they, like, dread took a time machine to 18 years in the future to see what was up and stuff like that beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a point where it was 18 years in real time after that prophecy has been made. And they did a whole, like, issue-long story about it, basically, of just, like, you know, here's this prophecy at last fulfilled. Like, go crazy, you know? That's cool. Yeah, I think it's neat it's just sort of what, what this, what, again, just sort of having all this time and buying into this gimmick of uh, roughly one year passing every year lets them do, basically. Right. So let's talk about this next story, The Midnight Surfer, uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as TB Grover, art robot Cam Kennedy, letter robot Tom Frame. So, the Midnight Surfer, a, man, a masked man on a hoverboard, travels the night sky of Mega City One, flying dangerously through the city streets as judges send out alerts. He blasts through town, approaching the Manfred F- uh, Fox Tunnel, which is a reference, I believe, to the Manfred Mann song, Fox on the Run. Uh, the tunnel is incredibly busy and crowded, but the Midnight Surfer shoots through narrow gaps, even going underneath a truck. Dred's never seen surfing like that. He's either a maniac, a genius, or both
1: why <laughs> choose
0: yeah. yeah it could be a lot of stuff the midnight surfer returns to his apartment he's ready for the big race surf, super surf seven he removes his mask reveal himself it's the Forber scrawl king chopper aka Marlon shakespeare <laughs> so there's this event super surf seven it's on its way We see judges being briefed about top competitors like Yogi Yakamoto from the Fuji Territories, Dak Goodvives from Mega City 2, Natilda Stank from Oz, Klaus Reich from the Ruhr Conurb and others. And I just like these um, little hints of different parts of the Dread World, you know, the different little countries and stuff that we've seen. Um, it's going to be a death-defying course to the city, causing untold destructions. Meanwhile, we see uh, Marlon Shakespeare teaching kids to super surf as part of juvenile juvenile rehab. He's being reintegrated into society following his his, his scrawling arrest four years ago, but Dread already su- suspects he's the Midnight Surfer and warns him not to take part in super surf seven. <laughs>
1: uh, this artist, this is the same guy who um illustrated the piece about that
0: uh, uh kenny who yeah that uh the artist from uh from cow Hat or something
1: yeah yeah just the way they do fabric and clothing is very distinctive i really like it
0: nice yeah i think it, you know i love his ability just to draw these varied people and stuff like one of my the the star of super surface one of my favorite pieces of of uh 2008 art ever it's very like i i, I like it a lot um, Dreader's chopper surveilled And um, it's a good thing too Because he goes out to uh, join the super surf Shakespeare heads out Surfing wildly or But then spots the cameras after him He's got to lose them he does more fancy flying, going through Mega Central Station, dropping the riot doors in the tunnel to lose the rest of the cameras, just barely coming at over the top of an oncoming train. He keeps his nerve, though, and manages to survive, comes out the other side. Dread swears revenge as Chopper arrives, the Super Surf 7 meetup. Everyone's there, and it's time to get the show on the road. And just, you know, again, like you said, yeah, Cam Kennedy's doing great stuff here, all this action artwork, Chopper yeah. bouncing around, going through the city and stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to uh, yeah, comment on that
1: uh, because it's with minimal paneling, still able to get a lot of action actually done. It's all mm-hmm. very clean, noticeable. You can totally understand and appreciate uh, every motion. Uh, and I really I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, heavy blacks. when they use a lot of uh, black on a page,
0: I, I really like that. Uh, but um, yeah, everything's done really well. Yeah, definitely. You can see a ton of those. Yeah, especially when he's going through the tunnels and stuff under the city. Things are real dark and like everyone's getting ready to do stuff. It's excellent. I was also confused
1: as to, does he have freckles or or does he not have freckles? Maybe it's war
0: paint for like the surfing? No, I think he does have freckles. At least the Cam Kennedy version he does. Okay. (laughs) I guess a little artistic liberty if you want to. You know, it's yeah it it varies a little bit i think based on, on on how much of a close-up you have on them and stuff like that i think it's the big difference <laughs> but so super surf seven is go 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 i love this page of just all these guys flying out at, um through these big uh, uh domes of the city it's just this b- big mass of super surfers going it's really great yeah
1: great use of negative space uh even the lines trailing the surfboards give very clear motion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It just looks like, like this big swarm of, of, uh, of folks. It's really fun. Um, so we flash back to the start of the race as the assembled contestants have, contestants have the route explained to them. It seems extremely dangerous, and again taking the Manfred Fox Tunnel against traffic. Uh, Chopper mm-hmm. prepares himself mentally the judges are after him he'll be arrested no matter what so why not leave the midnight surfer behind and be just Chopper himself once more he pals mm-hmm. around with the champ Yogi Takamoto or Yakamoto I should say and they both fist bump going into the race no rancor here just competitors that know that many of them will die today so three <laughs> yeah, no, tw- no, no room for hate when you're you might be dead exactly yeah so three two one surfs up they go <laughs> a cloud of surfer right, surfers right out for glory they pull 90 degree turns on the wall of death shoot out through the okay through the okay fingers of the Okidoki man they're okidoki folks um <laughs> and at least three of them are out now from wiping out and hitting on things and dread leading the rest of the judges you know pull their gun start firing bring them to di- Bring them down. Shoot to kill. That seems kind of intuitive. That seems like that's going to be more damage, I guess. Uh, I mean, it seems like once they shoot them, they kind of fall off their boards and just kind of hover in space, I guess. So, Okay. So maybe
1: that is, you lose one life and then you save, you know, the things they were crashing into. Maybe.
0: Like, a, yeah, it's definitely a uh, a harsh response to what's going on, I think. So surfers are falling as the judges open fire. At least one, though, is taken alive. And a few truth drugs later, the judges learn the route. Meanwhile, people around the city are cheer- are cheering the surfers on. Chopper's sharing the lead with Yogi and Cuba as they approach uh, the, the megacity falls bunch of sheets of falling water surrounded by spiky trees and you got to do at least 120 miles an hour to blast through it <laughs> and cool. we see previous champion Dak good vibes impaling himself on the spikes yes. it's pretty awesome that was rough yeah <laughs> it's a bad it's a bad scene you know cool. But things are getting real as the uh, as the surfers survive the crushers, this ridiculous series of car crushing devices. You only, you only have three seconds to clear them or you'll be turned into a cube. Um, <laughs> Yogi makes if a chopper has to hold back as a cowboy hat surfer Johnny tries to risk it but gets crushed instead. Oh, no.
1: And you still see
0: his outline on the cube. But, that oh, makes- yeah. That's rough. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> um chopper gets the next round, but he's 10 seconds behind yogi as they enter the final f- uh, phase of the race the manfred fox tunnel which dread now knows about too chopper will have to surf like no one before um as all units converge oh man so finally, Super Surf reaches its conclusion as the surfers have to fly through a hail of withering fire from the judges. Up ahead, Shopin needs to gain time on Yogi, cutting through a crowded mall and approaching the, uh, the Fox Tunnel just as Yogi arrives there as well. The two hit the tunnel as Judge Flack waits at the exit. The two shoot through the tunnel, dodging traffic. The other surfers are taken down by judges with varying degrees of lethality. The two leaders are halfway through when Yogi catches a rear-view mirror of a truck and falls in the middle of the tunnel. Oh, God! Uh, about to be smashed, Chopper turns back and grabs Yogi, and the two are soon soon sailing out the other side of the tunnel at terrifying speeds. They're through! Even the judges have to compliment Chopper's surfing, and Yogi dies in Chopper's arm as Dread approaches the new world champion to arrest him. And then... Another, and then we just get this like indelible, like a uh, top, two th- like like Judge Dread image here, as Dread leads Chopper away, as thousands of assembled mega citizens chant his name, as a Super Surf champion becomes a legend.
1: I was actually really surprised Chopper went back for the guy, just based on how dangerous everything already was, to be like to go and save a guy who's probably still going to die anyway.
0: So, but, but I think that's I, just really establishing Chopper as that kind of guy, I guess that he would um risk his life to sort of save someone he or try to save someone he doesn't even really know, but just right. sort of feels a commitment to try to help, I guess right, but yeah, so Chopper gets taken away in chains, he's arrested, but we'll be back in a couple years for the next dread mega epic in nineteen eighty seven <laughs> and so we jump right to that to Oz part one. Um, we're only looking at parts of this one. We're seeing art by uh, Cliff Robinson, Brendan McCarthy, Will Simpson, and, uh, and uh, Barry Kitson, but the actual mega epic has like a dozen or so artists in it, just sort of oh. spread around doing different parts. This whole thing was like a uh, a twenty six issue um, story, and I think we're only lo- lo- looking at like five issues of it, I believe. I,
1: I mean, I really would have loved to see Chopper as a kid. The hair seems to have changed so much from um, yeah. First- second time
0: yeah like like baby chopper kind of has this like uh mop top kind of thing right
1: i thought there were feathers originally yeah
0: like texture yeah, hair I, th- I think it's something like that it's it it is hard to tell you're right and then his hair just kind of get like goes from that to just being extremely standy uppy as time goes by right must be that like, extreme speed absolutely Extreme speed and later uh rad back uh hair care products, I guess. There you um, go. Yeah. So Oz Part One, there's a logo for Oz which shows Chopper bursting through the O in the letter Oz in the and the hole that he does it is in the shape of Australia, you know? Um <laughs> Cliff Robinson starts on Art and I like I ca- I pretty much like this big splash page of Dredd looking angry as Chopper surfs out although I feel like the helmet on Dred's head looks kind of weird for the record um otherwise though good stuff yes. So graffiti appears all over mega all over mega city one, super surf ten and free chopper, things like that, as well as of course the usual down with the judges as you do right. um <laughs> dread arrests, the ladies scrawling, and generally just a lot of pro chopper sentiment on a world of sports show type thing we see. Um, you open with flab lifting, which is just lifting a bunch of fatties with a pulley. But right. then we start talking about super surf 10, just another check in on this previous subculture and stuff.
1: I thought it was rude on flab lifting that you lift them and then drop them. You don't gently let them
0: back down, like yeah.
1: you hoist and drop. So it is.
0: I mean, that's rude. Even if you're doing that with weights, you know, right. like you shouldn't just drop them. That's like not the cool thing to do. Yeah. At least when you're working out, maybe not competitive weightlifting, I guess. Right. Um, so, Super Civ 7 is being held in Oz this year, um, and the judges of the Sydney Melbourne Conurb there are given permission to do the race. So, it's not going to be underground. You know, mm-hmm. they're just going to be doing it. In the full view of law, the favorite to win this year is uh, Jug McKenzie, who is a hometown boy Australian that we see eating a grilled rat right off the bobby.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's a local boy. He's super arrogant. He's won Super Surf 8 and 9, the two that took place in be- front, be- between then and now. And he says he's the best ever. So, you know, he's right. way better than that jerk Chopper. And if he's so great, why, why is he in prison? Whatever.
1: Right, he did it all to try to avoid racing me. Obviously,
0: yeah, definitely. Come on. Um, again, the city's full of pro-chopper sentiment, but he's not. You know, he's probably he's probably not going to be not going to be able to race. Come on. Um, right. Instead, we cut to Marlon Shakespeare in his cell in Iso Block a One One One. He imagines himself surfing as the Midnight Surfer once more. He remembers Super Surf 7, how he won, and the city chanted his name. He still dreams about it. When suddenly, his cell door opens, and Dread is there. (laughs) It seems he's being moved to ISO Block 83, and he's given his possessions to carry himself as part of the move, including his hoverboard. This is a mistake. (laughs) Right. He's being transferred because of public sentiment. Of course, he doesn't know that and can't believe it's already time for Super Surf's 10. On the way to the transfer event, they go outside to a crowd protesting for Chopper's relief release. As he goes, the crowd surges. It's a pretty good part where a guy just tackles a judge and jams a free Chopper's uh, signed right in his face like, do this! Come on, right. do it! right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they tackle Chopper and Dread Chopper Man just to grab the keys to his cuffs and get free. He climbs on his hoverboard doing kind of a yeah thing and he's right. off.
1: Right. You think it was conveniently located in under his arm. Right.
0: That's- Definitely, yeah. And I should say I forgot to include it, which I'm I'm unhappy about. But after this, there was a like sort of a a fan kit for Chopper for Super Surface Ten, complete really? like like a pennant and things like that for you to wave at the uh, thing. So, <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm only showing you parts of these of of this Oz story just because it is like 26 issues. And there's a lot of stuff going on to it. Yeah. So um, I did want to,
1: because we're going to be going into an oh, another uh, artist. I did want to comment on the cross hatching that's uh, so prevalently used in this previous one. Oh, with Cliff uh, Robinson, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he goes uh, lighter on blacks, but uh, that cross hatching is very difficult to do to create depths in faces. Like you tell when he's doing a, a close ups on faces, he really goes extra, put, goes that extra mile to create that depth.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he yeah, he does so much to add like all these little details and shading to faces and stuff. I think for me the best parts are 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 when they talk to Jug McKenzie and you can kind of like the way his face is shaded and stuff, you can really get a sense of how like much of an arrogant asshole he is and stuff like right. that, you know. Exactly. Definitely. But so now we're going to cut ahead to, uh, to Brendan McCarthy doing, um, doing art. And basically, so Chop – and this is uh, uh, Oz part five. Chopper's managed to get free from the city and he's decided that he's go- – the only way to get to Super Surf 10 to compete is to get on his hoverboard and fly across the country and then the Pacific Ocean to go to us – to go from basically the east coast of the US to Australia to compete. Whoa! all right. Yeah, it's not not a wise choice. <laughs> and we see part part of that now as he heads through the Mex zone, which is basically Mexico, and passes what he thinks are condors, but are actually mutant bird man banditos. <laughs> they got mustaches and crab claw feet, possibly nipples or something. It, it's it's gross, um, right? <laughs> um, they they make a joke about we don't need no stinking budgies, and then <laughs> there's just a huge attack by these monstrous, you know, bird monsters. Basically, um, Diablo, the biggest one, carries Chopper back to his nest. Baby birds go to eat him when a giant when he when he grabs a giant rib bone and uses it to attack the chicks, and then smash Diablo himself. <laughs> Chopper jumps from the nest, regaining his board, blasts through one of Diablo's wings. It's very cool. Um, Mm. And escapes the attackers. And then back in Mega City 1, the judges are getting reports of Chopper's continued travel. Dread isn't concerned, though. Even if Chopper dies, and everyone is, uh, you know, even though if he dies, people will be angry about it for sure. Um, Meanwhile, Chopper is coming out of the mountains and has reached the Pacific 5,000 kilometers down, 11,000 kilometers to go. (laughs) Just a long way. And I really hate that I had to cut parts out here of just Chopper's trans-Pacific voyage, you know. Um, he ends up flying into a big typhoon and landing on an, on an abandoned ship that's completely empty except for this robot cook who's killed the crew and turned them into soup, basically. So Chopper has to like deal with that and then get get on the ship and use that to uh, to make his way into Oz. And eventually, he arrives and he gets a hero's welcome and stuff like that. It's yep. it's pretty excellent. I'm assuming he's hungry. Does he? partake in that soup he has a little bit but before he can really chow down he learns the the uh, the terrible secret behind it and spits it out you know
1: right <laughs> soil and green soup right
0: it's tough you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But so now we're on to Oz part 20, and I should say, like, yes, it's been 15 parts, but a lot of those parts have also been sort of mishigas with, um, with Judge Dredd, who's dealing with a, uh, with an army of cloned judges, including clones of himself. Who have also set a base in um, in Australia and stuff. So mm. it hasn't just been Chopper's adventure. It's also been Dread sort of fighting these powerful, teleporting, high tech assassin clones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just FYI, I guess. But so yeah. uh, John Higgins takes over on art, and we're two hours away to Super Surf 10. As the Ozers are getting ready to rumble, we see, like, locals in in, in an Oz... In a Oz for Jug t-shirt, letting people watch the race from their apartment as his wife sells refreshments and stuff. It's excellent. Um, (laughs) Everyone discusses who will win as the surfers work out for the race. At a bridge, Judge challenges Chopper to do a triple loop around a pole, but Chopper washes out after two. Oh, no! Um... After Jug flies off laughing, Chopper's buddy Wipeout comes up and commiserates. Um, Chopper's got a brand new Bondi special board because his original board was destroyed during his trip. And while his board is top of the line, it doesn't have the same feel as his own Stratos Four, like the one that Wipeout's riding. Yep. As they ride to the finish line or, or to the start line, Chopper's called into a, into the marshal's office, and inside it's dread. And there's a pretty funny moment here where Dredd basically, where uh, uh, Dredd isn't here to arrest Chopper, he said he's got an offer, which is basically, you're fine to race, but win or lose, you're coming back to Mega City 1 with me to finish up your 23 year sentence. And if you try to escape, I'll kill you.
1: Right. Uh, Fred. Yeah, that, uh, the argument gets very uh, one sided. Uh, yeah, then Chopper's like, no. And then Judge is like, all right, same thing, but I'll, I'll definitely try to kill you this time. So it's like it's not it – didn't really put anything on the table really. No, really. yeah.
0: It's less of an offer and more of an ultimatum. You're right. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do
1: next. is You might as well have said that.
0: Yeah. And I like how um, Chopper's like, well, what if I don't even do the race? How about then? And Dred's like, you're going to do the race. Let's not yeah. lie to each other here. Like this right. is your right. ambition. I know what you're like, you know. You wouldn't have gone through all that crap yeah. to then turn around. Yeah, you know, and forget the race. Yeah, I'm just going to go out of here. Um, as they head to the start line, Wipeout grabs Chopper and gives him an offer to swipe boards because he's not really in competition. But a strat- well, with a Stratos 4, Chopper could win it all. He agrees to the derision of Jug, that bounder. And the countdown begins. Three, two, one, Super Surf 10 is go. It was a very nice page here. Uh, yeah, all those
1: uh, white lines showing that motion really gives a feeling of epicness.
0: Yeah, this the, the, this full page color spread at the end of this issue, that's like yeah, all of these racers going out, their white speed lines sort of uh, you know showing their different trails and stuff like that, and then also just images of the different racers above it as everybody's getting ready for at, at this ten point countdown. Right, for sure. So now we're jumping ahead again. All right. That was part 20. Now we're on part 23 as we're getting towards the end of Oz. Uh, Barry Kitchen takes over on Art here. Super surf 10s are underway. We got two leaders, Chopper and Jug, who both wipe out as they go down this big water slide in the middle of, uh, of Oz City, basically.
1: It's uh, something that's already
0: dangerous that they're just trying to add more danger into somehow. Absolutely, yeah. Listen, like they're trying to like as much as it's sanctioned by the by the uh, by the city now, there's no reason to not try to make it at least vaguely dangerous. You know, come on. <laughs> um, they regain their bearings as the rest of the pack catches up with them. Chopper and Jug yell at each other, try to get going as a second cluster of racers hit the slide. Uh, jugs off as Chopper desperately tries to start his board. He's, like, stalled out, basically. He finally does, but is he too far behind? At the finish line, Oz Judge Bruce wonders if Chopper will run, will uh, just sort of run now that he's, he seems to be out of the race. But Dredd isn't worried about it. Come on. Chopper doesn't know how to quit. Right. <laughs> And indeed, we see uh, uh, Chopper sprinting, going as fast as possible, quickly overtaking several people who have passed him as Jug is closing in the leaders. We get this montage as they pass various obstacles, the Opera House, these big swinging wrecking balls, and other futuristic landscapes. That's very dangerous. It's pretty good. Like, we even see people getting taken out by some of these landmarks and stuff as they go. Um, and now Chopper's approaching the leaders just 60. 60- is now approaching the leader's only 60 meters behind Jug. Everyone's pouring on speed as they head to space world. Ooh, the tension! And so that, that then they just fly through this big, like, uh, planetarium, basically. Someone gets Ooh. impaled on a star and things like that. It's pretty excellent. <laughs> but that takes us, again, we're jumping to the end of Oz, part 26. And now it's down to just Chopper and Jug. They are go. the crowd goes wild as they near the finish line and by a hair, the winner is Jug McKenzie. Jug, Jug, Jug. <laughs> uh, Dallas Hall gets third, but Jug's already doing a victory lap as he's won the last three Super Surfs in a row and being a real jerk about it um he we even see him bursting through a map of oz like the uh like the symbol for the story we've been reading all this whole time like no it's me dude The story's about me i'm the best right <laughs> <laughs> choppers totally gutted as are the people of Mega City one they sort of all go they all just like are completely messed up in uh, And in, in, in disbelief, you know, everyone's watched, sitting around TV being like, oh, he must have cheated. Oh, choppers. They like tear posters down off their walls and stuff. It's pretty excellent. It
1: was the board. It, it, the board
0: sucks. Right? Yeah. Whole thing. The, right now. <laughs> the racers shake hands as Dread walks over. It's a shame he lost, but at least this makes it a lot easier because no one cares about a loser. Like I can arrest you pretty easily at this right. point. Yeah, Judge had no sympathy. <laughs> you know, he's all business. Right. You know, I like that we see, um, like, people being like, oh, like, you suck, Jopper, like, throwing their TVs out the window and stuff like that. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I lost the game. I don't need this television I paid for anymore. I bought it for the race. You know, normally I don't even own a television. Uh, <laughs> Dredd says being a hero is crappy. I guess he'd know. Um <laughs> And he calls on Chopper, on Chopper to surrender, but the surfer refuses. He turns away from Dread and starts to fly off. Dread draws his Lawgiver, warning Chopper to stop, but he doesn't respond. And he seems to be resigned to his fate. And I like that we're that we're seeing sort of this these three images of Chopper flying off and Dread telling him to stop, and this TV falling from the side of this building, like all yep. sort of cutting between each other, basically creating this really tense moment. Mm. But then, as Dredd's finger squeezes the trigger and the TV hits the ground, Jug McKenzie knocks Dredd off his feet with his hoverboard. Jug, Jug, Jug!
1: Right. He was hero all along, right? <laughs> he was the hero we needed, or the,
0: he wasn't the hero we wanted. Yeah, but the, the one we needed. He was the one that was there when we when we needed someone to step in for sure. Uh Chopper's escaped and Dread goes to arrest jug but Judge Bruce who is one of the local Aussie judges or Oz judges uh steps in. You can't arrest the world champion and you aren't getting an APB out on Chopper because you aren't the law here. Frankly, mm-hmm. we think Chopper's a pretty cool dude. If he wants to fly out to the rad back, that's his deal. You're a jerk. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the
1: first time I've seen someone uh mouth off to Dread to his face. And then just, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Judge doesn't shoot him or punch him or do anything. He he's can't,
0: like, you know? He's a visitor here. Like, this is odds. It's a whole different city, you know? But
1: I think it's funny. I mean, it almost seems like why, if this wasn't his jurisdiction, why follow Chopper all the way down here?
0: I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the actual answer is that he was mostly down here to deal with those clones and, and like, this clone yeah. army. And yeah. so going after Chopper was sort of a cover for that, basically.
1: I see. So, so it was like icing on the cake. Or yeah.
0: Like... So, so being able to then also arrest Chopper would have just been a little, extra, a, a little extra bonus at the end of it all. You know, like, ah, this one's for me. But, right. you know, so that's why he's kind of like, all right, like, I'm just going to go. Like, fine, you've talked me out of it. Right. <laughs> but yeah I, I i like this image of judge bruce just like pointing off as dread gets on his bike he's like go on get lost you know? <laughs> right. It's
1: right <laughs> pretty- the last of bruce right you, you probably have i mean i'm out of, i'm out of here he's
0: like yeah oh, i put a sock in it you know right.
1: uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, flaming spoil sport which has to hurt i mean that's i don't know what that means exactly but it's uh, uh you no, know,
0: he's just being a real jerk, don't appreciate
1: it, you know. He's just extra, Judge is already on his way out, he just has to badmouth him a little bit more as he's uh scootering away, as he's uh <laughs> driving off.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Chopper flies over the wall into the rad back. Where will he go? What'll he do? Who knows? I mean, I guess there's always Super Surf 11, <laughs> right always next year which takes us to 1989 and Super Surf 11 for the record um this um I should say in between um Oz and Song of the Surfer there was a story called uh, there's a chopper story called Soul on Fire which okay. was basically chopper heading back to heading back into into the city of Oz and challenging Jug to a one-on-one sort of recreation of Super Surf 10 Oh, Just to kind of, just to kind of see, like if that was a fluke that he lost or something like that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, And it was sort of a a, a lot of it was about sort of like the soul on fire. I think really sells it, which is that Chopper sort of having this drive to be the best and stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, and that sort of you know, and being really frustrated that he lost and that when it when it came down to it for this big race right um but so during that time he was sort of living in the rad back which is sort of a futuristic uh outback and stuff like that um and when he came back into race chopper that's when he met um one of one of uh jug's friends charlene who he had kind of a brief romance with and oh, she, nice. and, and so she comes back in this story song of the surfer so just sort okay. of i definitely sense a the relationship there but yeah, they had met in this Soul on Fire story and it's just one of these things where it's like, you know, when I'm I'll, – I'll, I'll sort of go behind the curtain basically that like I don't – like this one – like this collection ended up being like 110 pages and while well, some of that sort of table of contents and covers and stuff like – I don't really want to go this much, that much longer than this for these primers. Just, I I don't like, I'm not just doing some kind of, uh, I don't know, like, like Hermione Granger style, like dropping a thousand textbooks in front of you for for this comic book podcast, you know?
1: It helps that you're here kind of filling in the gaps, but I mean, I get Just a lot of it just from what we have here
0: yeah and so like i said also sort of this song of the surfer one we're going through quick just because we just cut like uh, the the people who are listening we've just talked about it so i don't want to sort of you know cover the same road too much so we're kind of starting with part two of uh of song of the surfer here uh, script robot john wagner art robot colin McNeil with uh, tim perkins on colors and letting robot vambo uh, Georgiou. and you can see this one's a little bit more modern just because this story's full color whereas the previous ones have had one like sort of double double-sized color page and the rest of have been black and white i guess there's some evolution here yeah so, in the city of Oz, Super Surf Champ Jug McKenzie roots through his dresser, looking for his special clothes. His girlfriend helps him and absorbs abuse. When suddenly, at the window, a figure appears. It's Chopper, ready to go to Super Surf. Everyone's happy, especially Charlene, the lady he met last time. Um, and uh, but then, of course, she drags him off to a bath because he's been in the rad back the whole time. And woo, got a spell basically. <laughs> Also, like just some parasites, some parasites and stuff. The doc takes a look at that. that oh. The doctors take a look at and stuff. It's crazy. But Oz Chopper, the ladies, and a bunch of other contestants all get aboard a chartered flight and head out to where the mega, where the next um super surf is going to take place in Mega City Two, which is on the west coast of the U.S. As they fly, Charlene asks Chopper why he's here, and he explains about uh, so. He'd been staying with a, a a friend of his who was a native Australian named Smokey, but he died recently so sort of freed him up. He sort of had been teaching him about this concept of so, of song lines and destinies and stuff that seemed to be part of, uh, of a native Australian spirituality, I guess. <laughs> Found some religion. That's so, good. Yeah, or something. I mean, he doesn't seem to really understand it that much, but it's definitely something that he thinks is interesting, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, so the – First prize for the super surface a million credits because this guy Stig has taken over the race and sort of made it a bit more finite, a little bit more official and financial, but we'll learn also a lot more dangerous. Um the soul on fire stuff seems to have burned some of the competitive nature out of of uh, of chopper's uh, Along with his time in the bush, I guess um, mm-hmm. he's much more about following the song lines and stuff than actually winning. And he, but he's got a wind dreaming that he wants to uh, to ride out. Plus, hey, listen, he gets when he does by doing this, he gets to hang out with Charlene, and she's pretty nice. And yeah. everyone, and uh, eventually Jug shouts back like, "Hey, break it up, you guys! We've arrived at Mega City 2. <laughs> you kind of get a little bit of the cityscape but now we jump ahead way ahead to the final part of song of the surfers <laughs> part 12 and i know this is super jarring eli so i apologize for that it's all right yeah this is the
1: part i was like there's something i'm missing here yes I yeah. figured a very epic and violent
0: race Yeah, so basically what happened is Stig, besides sort of the standard dangerous, like, uh, dangerous obstacles we've seen in Super Surfs, he just sort of placed a couple snipers directly along the race lines with, like, not just bows but, like, incendiary rounds and explosives and stuff like that. So, like, you know...
1: Wins, or...? What just to make sure that he wins or to, to make uh... sure
0: that no one wins it seems like like yeah. Chopper's barely surviving he's been shot a couple times he's been shot a bunch of times himself actually just barely surviving Wow like I think he just wants to make it a death race basically that like nobody survives Well like everyone has their hobbies I guess uh, so, you know I guess when you're rich enough you know um, hey. yeah so we see Chopper now he's full he's covered in blood his left arm hangs useless at his side um he is barely standing up and indeed we do see him fall briefly just sort of covering his board in blood and stuff um he gets a mental visitation from his friend smoky who tells him to keep going the wind dreaming is driving him on he's got to follow his song line that'll take him directly into the sights of stig at the same um yeah. So he flies up to this like millionaire industrial guy, unzips his junks his jumpsuit, and pulls out a grenade he grabbed from someone earlier in the race and throws it right at Stig, blowing everybody up. Oh, it's pretty cool. Like again, this is something where I wish we'd be able to see some earlier parts just to sort of establish how evil Stig is and stuff to show that this is good comeuppance when he uh when he kill when he kills him with this grenade. And it's a, although all of this is a really great example of this thing that author John Wagner really likes to do, which is having like sports announcements over things that are really bloody or absurd, you know, right. like the big one is like after the bomb goes off, after the grenade goes off, this one guy is like, yes, Stig's been blown up. And yeah, I believe indeed my left foot has also been destroyed in the carnage. Right. like, that's great, boss. They certainly can't call you an armchair commentator anymore, Tony. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So we see uh, Charlene has sort of – has been in a cab this whole time sort of rushing to the finish line to try to meet Chopper. Now Chopper himself is on his knees slowly floating towards the finish line. No one's sure if he'll make it. And we get this really arresting image of a bloody chopper lying on his board above the finish line, like blood dripping down off the bottom of his hand and onto Charlene's face as she stands below him, like looking up, like worried about what's going to happen. And the whole thing just sort of pans away and it's left ambiguous as to whether chopper won or even if he survived the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not looking good. It's definitely not looking good, although, you know, I guess the fact that we're talking about it spoils it a little bit. Like, there is going to be a chopper story at the start of, uh, of the magazine, <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. yeah. I
1: found this particular thing. I don't know if it's just the art direction or the, uh, uh, you know, spirituality of it. But I found this one to be exceptionally powerful. Uh, it oh, read yeah. a lot of uh, a man doing his best to be whatever he can be.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I should link you the uh, the collected part of this because you're really right. Like, what in the course of this story, what it really is, it's almost a commentary on like violence as an entertainment and stuff like that. Like, um, like colin McNeil draws all this stuff as incredibly graphic and gory but it's not it's in a way that makes it feel really brutal and sad as opposed to like i don't know like fun or exciting or something like that like it feels like a commentary on violence for violence's sake Mm -hmm. instead of glorifying it the way you you see a lot of time in these comics yeah exactly
1: yeah and i guess yeah i didn't really think about that but yeah uh just in this comic, there is a lot of fighting, a lot of action, a lot of explosions. Uh, and uh, the races up till now, the violence has been like you know, a guy getting skewered on a spike tree. It's like, oh, poor dude, you know, you just kind of move on, yeah.
0: No, yeah. it, it it is funny because even in this one, I I had forgotten about the spike tree in the first in the first Super Surf we saw because there is in this last one in Song of the Surfer, there's like a tube that's full of spikes called Porcupine Alley and stuff and. Whoa. McNeil does this great job of, like, people go into it and they get caught on the spikes and you can really feel like, ooh, that'd be awful, you know? Um, in a way, that that is sort of a response to the very slapsticky, spiky posts of Super Surf 7, you know?
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. But it just shows skill to be able to, you know, uh, tell a story – same thing happening, but comes off very differently and feels so differently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a real – I I think this – because it's sort of a same, the same character in similar situations, it does give us a chance to see sort of how the storytelling in these comics has evolved over time for sure. Yeah. Just let us see all these cool dudes doing, doing uh, science fiction racing stuff then being like, hey, like, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be this violent, you big jerks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But
1: that's fun. Starting with a uh, a kid, uh doesn't wanna uh follow the, you know, path set in front of him. Uh get into graffiti, start surfing, dealing with the law. And I mean even uh him um, you know, being out in the uh lands with, you know, boils on his shoulder <laughs> uh just shows like, Yeah, I'm I'm living free. This is the cost of it and I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's such a big change from his from this life of feeling like being stuck as a robot almost as a human robot in mega city one. Right. Yeah. You know, if you see that as a driving force, he's definitely achieved that goal. That he was trying to, from when he was King Scrawler. Mm. Cool. Yeah. We're, so, so, so we're going to see more from this character and I hope you're interested to see that. Like I think, you know, he's not like the most frequent dread character, but Chopper's a guy who I like to check in on and see how he's going from time to time. So I'm yeah. glad I- we get to talk about him.
1: I was sure he was dead after this one. So just hearing
0: that we might see him again, I'm like, oh, wow. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where they do a great job of having it be this, like, downer finale in this one. And it's kind of funny, actually, in – um. In, like, the letter pages in 2000 AD progs that we're seeing leading up to the magazine, there's a lot of people saying, like, uh, man, it's too bad Chopper died. And the editor kind of responding, like, hey, 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 like, listen, we left that ambiguous. Chopper might not be dead, guys, all right? Like, don't write him off yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's, yeah, I guess that's true. He's slowly riding on this
0: board. He's at least unconscious, it seems. Oh, yeah, no, he's in a bad way, for sure. Like, he's got to spend some time doing that thing where you got to float in the tube of blue water or whatever, right. like right. Sci- sci-fi healing style. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah, you, um, uh, if you are, you know, in the state and then there's a person you really care about within arm's reach where can drip blood on them, then usually they'll do their best to try to patch you up
0: yeah, like uh, there's no you know, there's no love in just standing there, right? right. <laughs> cool. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed this trek into the history of Judge Dredd. We got about two more of these left to do to prep for the magazine. Until then you can find Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast sites Big Meg at bigmeg1.com feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com the 2080 forums or our facebook instagram twitter twitter pages on twitter we're at spacespinner2k for everything else, else look up spacespinner2000 we should be there this show is brought to you by steve green and the fine folks the 2080 forums if you like our show you can join them and get more content plus access to shows before anyone else by checking out our patreon page Patreon is a membership platform that easily allows you to support our show and for us to send you rewards for doing so. Please check us out at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network and support us. There's a variety of rewards for a variety of budgets and we'd really appreciate it. And come back next time as Eli and, Lo- Eli and I learn about an important world-changing event in the history of Judge Dredd, the Apocalypse War. Excited. Yeah, I feel like I was going to do something else for this, but I realized that I feel like I'm talking about the Apocalypse War so much <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've gone over things that we might as well just talk about it in full, you know, and just mm-hmm. see what this big world changing event for Judge Dread was and how it worked out, you know. Right. Excellent. All right. We'll see that. Until then, I'm Conrad there, Eli, and we are Big Deck One <laughs>